Hello and welcome to Board Game Impact, a podcast where I look into board games and related topics of interest so that way you can know the impact that they may have for your gaming group. Today I look into Merlin by Stefan Feld and Michael Reinick, published by Queen Games. My name is Bruce Brown, and for full disclosure about me, before we get too much further into seeing if we have what it takes to succeed Arthur as king, is important to know a little bit about my background. So I grew up in uh, New York, outside New York City, and um, over the years when I was growing up is when things like Ancestry.com were becoming a thing. Uh, before that, m- some people would be into genealogy and looking up their family's past. However, that just wasn't a thing for us until the rise of the internet. Yes, pre-internet, da da da. Um, but <laughs> once the internet came about, we were actually able to find out for some long, 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 long lost relatives so over a hundred some odd years ago. Apparently, there was two brothers um, in Austria, and one of them came over to the United States. And they weren't really that close. And over the generations, the family lost touch with one another. And come to find out that family side that had stayed and where our roots are from is Austrian nobility, actually Holy Roman Empire. And uh, so our family went over there to find out what was going on with this and to connect with some potential long-lost relatives. So my uncle went over and he brought the charter of nobility that we Um, uncovered through this process with them as well as our family tree and lined it up and yep uh, we were related and ended up based in that charter of nobility once we actually had it translated into English we were able to come and find out that our family had been knighted twice uh, by the Holy Roman Empire over the years one time for achievements in science I believe uh, one of my ancestors cured the king's son of some illness, and so they knighted the family then. And then a couple of years later, the family was knighted again because a family member, not on the science track, but on the military track, was a general and apparently kicked some Venetian butt. Um, so sorry for those Venetians, but that was long ago, and I had nothing to do with it. Um, but that being said, over the years, our family had lost connection, and Come to find out, we are knighted at birth by birth. Um, So I am actually a knight of the Holy Roman Empire, if the Holy Roman Empire still existed today. Uh, It's just one of those cool kind of true truths and a lie facts for myself of like, I am a knight on like in paper. It's kind of cool. So while diving into this, just know that things of the knightly nature do play to my heart a little bit. And so I wanted to talk about that. Plus, you get to learn a little bit more about me. Um, so how you play Merlin, uh, Merlin is a point salad style Euro game where many of the actions that you take every turn, we either earn you points immediately or at one of the three scoring rounds of the game, which happen after the second, fourth, and the final sixth round. The player with the most points at the end of the final scoring round win. And it's important to note that I'll not be going through all the different mechanics and actions of the game, rather providing you with an overview so that we can jump into the review and give you the information that you need to aid you in deciding whether or not this experience is the impact that you're looking for for yourself, for your gaming group. So during each of those rounds, players take four actions one at a time, round and round, until all players have taken their four actions. 
At the beginning of every one of the six rounds, each of you will roll your four dice, three of which are in your faction's color and one of which is white, representing a different player pawn on the board that belongs to no players, but all players, and that is Merlin. Then once you select your die, you place it actually onto the round table, which is pretty sweet, in the middle of the board, and then move your piece clockwise around the circle the corresponding number of, by the corresponding number of pips shown on the top of the die and take the action of the space that you landed on. So some interesting notes before jumping any further into this review. I want to make a special note of one of the designers, Stefan Feld. Uh, for those of you who've been around the hobby, you may recognize Feld uh, from some great games like the Castles of Burgundy, Burges, and others. And how Feld typically goes around designing a game is focusing on the mechanics. So this is a Euro-style game, so the mechanic first, and then he figures out the ideal theme and polishes it off to match that mechanic. So in Merlin, the designers focused around the central mechanic of a rondelle, which is that wheel that the players move their pieces around. Uh, in this case, it's the round table. Now, this being said, Feld and Reineck have built in different mechanics that make it so that no roll is just your movement. Uh, so it's not just a roll and move game and just let's move around this rondelle. Rather, there are opportunities to slide across the board, so across that circle, unlock previously passed spaces, uh, take actions other players are on, move your piece counterclockwise instead of clockwise, and then mitigate the die roll and more. So each player receives their own player board, which looks like a motif of a castle with recessed notches at the top of the little castle as if the archers were able to stand in those holes at the ready. These players, player boards look great and have perfect positions for each player's components, dice, and collected resources. In, the top in those top spots I was just talking about, each player will randomly be given three invaders at the start of each game and will refresh them after each scoring round with three new invaders, which slot perfectly into those little slots. Uh, so during those rounds between scorings, players can earn shields that represent the, those warring invaders' banner color in order to ward them off and avoid any negative points during the scoring phases. There are a lot of components in this game, but honestly, they don't add complexity. They add variation of factions around King Arthur's table, so the different knights' areas, uh, but the principles of play and use are all the same. So although there can be a lot of components, it's easy to digest. There's just a lot of different ways to use them. Um, in addition, the player boards, there's also modular terrain board off to the side. So this is, you have your main game board, you have the player board, and then you have this little modular thing off to the side. And this is essentially, if you were to zoom out, like in Google Earth, and you have these modular tiles that get placed at the start of the game, and that represents different terrains uh, for that space. And you can, uh, one of the action spots on the board, there's several of them, allow you to spend resources, to place little manners on this modular board, which score the player victory points during each of the rounds, uh, so at the scoring rounds, for controlling various environment types with a majority rule. Besides for those scoring conditions from action spaces, there are also mission cards placed off to the side of the table. Um, and then you have some of those revealed as public objectives. And then you can draft, not draft, but select some cards into your hand from different actions. And you can complete one of those missions per turn to score points as well. So 
the impact of Merlin, there's a couple different things going on here. So if you've ever played a felled game, Merlin will have the same resemblance that the same old good brain burning simplistic feeling that's also relaxing to play that you've experienced before. If you haven't ever experienced a felled game, essentially it's just that. It's a sometimes mathy experience, but that can be relaxing, but also simplistic in ways. There's that nice elegance to it. The table presence, uh, Merlin can take up some serious real estate on the table due to the number of different components. So I already talked about that board, the player board, that little ter modular terrain board, and then all the components stacking on e each of these areas. Uh, but it can make set up and take down a process. And that's the one struggle with the uh, amount of components. But once you're set up and running, it's a lot of fun and easy to do because all the player boards and everything have perfect spots to put it all. So yes, it can take up some real estate, but it also is organized at the same time. It's kind of interesting. Uh, the player boards add a lot to that feel of the game. And there's something deeply satisfying about having the perfectly sized slots and spaces to place the components into on your board. One struggle of Merlin, though, is that due to the table presence and number of components, it's not a game that I would recommend taking to a pub or dimly lit place as you don't want one of those components to disappear into the darkness or not have enough space to play it once you show up with it. So this is the game that I'll mostly be playing at home or bringing it to some place I've already been to and I know what that space is like. Uh, what it brought out in some of the other players and myself. Um, so I've played Merlin at all player accounts. So that's the two, three, and four player. And each game felt about the same as adding players didn't seem to take away anything, which is fantastic. But it added a slightly longer amount of time between turns, which is fine and expected. Uh, and to get through more, and we got through more of the mission cards. And but the best part was we also were competing for terrain spaces. So it made that a little bit more competitive where you couldn't just have a runaway person over there. Uh, but the things that was awesome was that although we were adding players, all the points were lower because there was more of us around. And so the point gap was close at all times. So it kept that stress, kept the game competitive. So I've had equal fun at all player counts. Uh, so due to the sometimes mathiness of the game, as I've explained a little bit before, as well as the modifiers that you can do to the die results, as well as your movement combined in such a way that some players were visibly calculating out their moves in combination with their later moves and attempt to maximize their score. If you've ever seen one of those memes of the person like thinking and having all the math floating around their head and you can just watch it unfolding, that's exactly what I saw in some players. And for some, this is definitely a situation, sadly, which they experienced some analysis paralysis, but luckily it was temporary. It was temporary because the thing is that although you can math out your plays, there's just enough overlap of other players potentially impacting what's going to happen and unfold for you, as well as the many different ways to score points that made a lot of viable options. So a player can math it out, but at the same time, they're going to be rewarded for taking different moves um, and they can't always calculate everything. Um, so they have to lean in and sometimes go with the fun. So it made all their choices matter but it emphasized fun because no matter what, they were still able to do something and feel constructive, which is a nice. Uh, and so it wasn't just for the sake of points. So due to the real estate and various paths towards victory, uh, either that immediately uh, scoring of points or the delayed points during the end of the second, fourth and sixth rounds, some players would focus on short term 
Others will focus on slower starts and then huge, huge gains, uh, which kept all the scoring pretty well balanced between players. Um, and so you, you couldn't ignore things. Um, so you try and dabble. But if you specialize and slightly pay attention to some things, all of the scoring works itself out, which is really nice. Now, full transparency, sadly, there was a time where I played and due to the choices of another player just honestly being ambivalent to the outcomes of their choices, that made a kingmaker situation emerge, which gave another player a 14-point swing at the end of the game, which sadly made another player flat-out lose, and there was nothing they could do. Um, this showed that although there are many paths to success, if you have a player at your table who's just ambivalent or not invested, then it's not going to be meaningful choices and could have repercussions for the outcome of the game. So just kind of be mindful of that. You want your players, of course, to be invested. Um, this was just that player. Um, every other time I've played this, I've never seen that happen, but it did come up, so I did want to bring it up. Other things of note, uh, at the time of this episode launching, Merlin is mainly only available through European channels due to its production in Germany, and there are some nice components and a lot of different custom-designed components, so those perfectly designed player boards, etc., so it's not currently in wide U.S. distribution. I received my copy of Merlin by purchasing it directly from Queen Games at a convention. However, Queen Games does currently have an expansion for Merlin called Arthur, which you can order through the link that's I'm going to provide to you in the show notes. Just go check that out. In addition to purchasing a copy of Merlin as well. So it's not just getting the expansion, which you can do if you already have Merlin and just haven't played it yet or just listening to this like to refresh on the rules or some of the overview of the game, which I appreciate. Thank you very much. Uh, but you can also purchase that copy of Arthur and Merlin. And what Arthur adds in, it adds in a new rondelle that will replace the old one. You kind of overlay it as well as an Arthur pawn and some new mechanics. So some overall thoughts. Uh, my wife loves playing Feld's game. And as soon as she played Merlin, she had to have it. Um, I had played it earlier in the year with some friends and felt the same. So when we both saw the opportunity at the convention, we jumped on it. As it is a Euro, the theme is definitely not the central focus. Rather, the mechanic of that rondelle is. The whole game is designed around it. But for those looking for that epic King Arthur Knights of the Round Table game, this is not the game for you. Uh, it's not going to deliver that feeling. Rather, Merlin had us enjoying our time and appreciating the subtle nods to the Knights of the Round Table. But there wasn't really direct connection, which there is sometimes a stretch. But we enjoyed playing the game. Um, if you like a point salad style game where there are many avenues to points and you can navigate short versus long-term point opportunities, then this is a great one to check out. As a knight myself, I enjoyed the puzzle that is Merlin, but still look forward to what the expansion will add and definitely looking forward to the next opportunity that I get to play it as I found it quite relaxing. Uh, so overall, Merlin is a good solid game that's relatively actually easy to teach, easy to jump back into between plays, but it can be a slog to set up or take down, which for me, uh, pulling it out or taking it to different locations makes it really a thing I'm really just going to play at home. Although I'd be happy to play it or teach it to others if they came over. Um, so I hope that is helpful. Um, that's going to be it for this episode.
Again, my name is Bruce Brown, and you can find me on Board Game Geek as Bruce Brown. Thanks for listening to Board Game Impact. I hope that learning about what experiences are going on for us makes a positive impact on your gaming group. You can learn more about us by visiting our website, boardgameimpact.com. If you have a topic that you'd like to have discussed, email me. It's boardgameimpact at gmail.com. Shoot me a quick message. I'd love to have you on or talk about uh, some different topics that you directly want to hear about. Uh, You can follow me on Instagram at boardgameimpact, like the Facebook page, which is boardgameimpact. Thank you to our phenomenal Patreon backers and PayPal donors for supporting the show. If you enjoyed today's content and would like to learn more about being one of our awesome backers, you can visit our Patreon or our PayPal site, which is both available through the main website, boardgameimpact.com. But honestly, whether or not you can donate to the show, um, an equally important thing and a sign of love is if you take the quick moment at the end of this episode and please rate it on your favorite podcast platform and iTunes if you can as it'll greatly help spread the show to others and that would really 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 just mean a lot so just take that quick moment click those stars and uh, really thank you for that in advance I hope that this has been helpful for you and your gaming group and until next time go have a positive impact on the world (laughs) 